Welcome to the Human Design Experiment, a podcast about real-life stories from women deep in their own unique experiment. I'm your host, Cassandra Russell, and my aim for this podcast is to take the complex human design system and make it relatable through stories, so you can feel empowered to start or dive deeper into your own unique human design experiment. Welcome to the Human Design Podcast. Today we have the lovely Susan with us. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. All righty. So we're going to jump straight in. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how Human Design found you. Um, well, probably over the past couple of years, I woke up in early 2020. I was 40 and I wasn't really happy with where my life was. And I started taking lots of courses and I've probably taken a lot of online courses in the past five or six years, but I found one actually called the Sphinx code, which is about the Sphinx code, which is a way to look at your tarot cards and your life journey and where you're going and where, and in that class, they mentioned human design. I was like, what is this about? And so as I started diving deeper, that was actually probably my entry. The way he actually had another expert come into his course and talk about um, human design and the way it mm. talked about it, it was like, oh my goodness, that's starting to sound so resonant. Mm. And so then I started to do some research online with my three line. We love <laughs> experimenting and, um, went, found the Jovian archive. And I was like, this is overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> and I, there were probably just other resources. So I, I would say my, my journey with human design is like becoming aware, like learning one or two things and then being like, oh my goodness, that resonates so much. It gave me so much more permission to be myself without trying to fit into society's boxes. And I think that's what I have loved most about in human design is because Mm. it isn't another, it can be, it can be sort of another dogma in which you view the world, Mm -hmm. but the way that it's helped me um, has been just to give understanding and permission And it also even helped me understand my kids, which was really fascinating to me. My middle son is a projector and I have generators flanking him. And why is the baby pushing my projector? Like, I I was like, why are you so lazy? (laughs) As a young mom, I'm like, I don't understand why you need to sleep so much. Everybody else is running around. And it was because he was a projector. And it was like, I just feel like a lot of things as I discover more and more about human design, it's like, ah, yeah, yeah. And it's allowed me to have more compassion for myself and those around me as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I resonate with so much of what you just said. I think it's really important, especially when people are just starting, is to take bite-sized bits. I'm a line one. So when I first discovered human design, like I went, I just, all the knowledge, all the <laughs> things, all the resources. And it was like, whoa, like this is a never-ending learning journey, which on one side is amazing as a line one because I love learning. But on the other side, it sort of takes away from the experiment a bit when you're just caught in the in the learning and not actually the experiment yeah. in your day-to-day life. Um, and like when you said about your kids, I kind of see it. I was a young mum as well. So I had my first son when I was um, 21. And I was always like, I just want to use a manual. Like, I don't get him. Like, who is he? Like, I just, we, our relationship doesn't vibe. Like, why is he my son? Like, why did he pick me in this lifetime? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it really yeah. gave me permission to parent him in the way he needed to be parented even just simple things of being like um he and I both know now that our relationship is healthier when we have time apart whereas before my belief system was as a parent and a mom I should not want time away from my children because that made me a bad mom but it's like we know now 
we're like, okay, like we need time apart. Like let's separate. Like it's, it's not a big thing in our, in our family anymore. It's like, yeah, cool. Time apart. Like let's do it. Um, so I, I, yeah, I'd like to sort of circle back. So when you, um, you said like before human design, you, you'd done like a whole bunch of courses. I'd done like so many personal development courses <laughs> before I found human design. And I would love to know your experience, like before you found human design with sort of the personal development type world, were you like trying things and thinking that you needed to do them because that's what like the course was or like what was popular in the personal development world at the time kind of thing, but it didn't actually suit your design? Yes. A lot of the courses that I took before I, it was probably really my perspective of the courses was, it was more of that initiating energy, which is as a generator is not the energy I should be doing. And I was definitely chasing a lot of things I was, I was doing, I, um, astrologically I have a lot of earth in my chart is what I've been told. I don't really do astrology that much, but I know human design integrates it. And, um, I was like, I don't know what that means. They're like, you can carry lots of stuff. So I was carrying like everyone and everything that I could. I like, I was overextending myself, taking on way too much responsibility. And in, even in discovering my human design with an undefined G center and undefined throat, like, why is it always like being understood was really important to me. And I never felt understood. (laughs) And also like, I felt such like a chameleon, like depending on who I was around, like I could fit into, and I didn't really understand why. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of like specific courses I took. I would say like, um, Denise Thomas Stuffield's money boot camp, and then like kind of went down that marketing thing. But a lot of it was more initiating energy. I love Denise Thomas Stuffield and her work. It's amazing. And I wouldn't necessarily, it was personal development, but it was in sheep's clothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it was healing in that way. And human design just opened my eyes to another way. I'll just say it's like more compassion yes. for myself, more understanding and more compassion. Yes. And like, permission to stop trying to fit into things that don't work for me or, yeah. or do things that they, like permission to understand what works for me and choose that instead of things that don't work. And, and both, cause as a three line, when I first discovered human design, I was like a generator. Everybody's a generator. I don't want to be a generator. I'm like, I'm an emotional authority. I don't want to be an emotional authority. I have to wait longer. Like generators who, you know, sacral ones at least like get an, an instant yes or no. And yeah. I have that. And then I couldn't understand why two hours later I was like, no, like I literally would be like, yes. And then I'd be like, no, like I was riding the wave and then I would still follow through on stuff that was no longer aligning because I had said yes, because of conditioning and all of that jazz. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's just a big unlearning process and a lot of permission and space to essentially take a nap when I need it and yeah. follow the thing that lights me up. Not the thing I think I should do. I think I was shooting a lot in most of my life. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> please. And, and people pleasing others. Like that was definitely something that I, um, and I would say is healed. There's probably deeper layers that haven't come up yet, but <laughs> that's yeah. fine. It's always a continuing process. We can only do so much at a time. We can't do everything in one sort, <laughs> even though I've wanted that. <laughs> I've prayed for that before. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd love that to go more dramatic. Your... Sorry, you go, you go. I said that that was a little dramatic, like for it to happen. You know, um, Esther Hicks from Abraham Hicks. And that was probably one of the first thing I read Louise Hayes. Um, you can heal your life. And then at the end I was like, 
it, she referenced Abraham Hicks. I'm like, oh, and so then I really got into that. Mm. Um, and then kind of other things flowed from there, but yeah, it, it was really interesting. Esther Abraham says, you don't want to eat every single meal that you're going to have your entire life in one day. Like you wouldn't <laughs> choose that. You want it to unfold. It's like, yes, that, like, I don't want to eat all the meals today. Yes. <laughs> so that actually, you know, and as, as um, a solar plexus and emotional authority defined solar plexus, slower decisions mm. is faster results. And that has been another mantra that like, I have to continually remind myself. It's like, oh, we don't have to decide that now we can feel into it. So, yeah. Yeah. And we kind of live in a world that's really instantaneous. So that's kind of yes. quite, and like myself, I'm a, um, I'm a sacral generator, so I don't have emotional authority. So I'm very much in the now, but my partner, my eldest son, our daughter, and my best friend are all emotional generators. And I'm just like, but don't you know? Like, don't you know now? <laughs> it's like now I understand the wave and how it works. I'm like, oh, right. Like no pressure. Like I say something, I let it sit, come back to it in a day or a couple of days or sometimes with my partner, especially if it's a big decision, it needs to be a week or longer. Like it needs yeah. to be that time to allow it to move through his um, emotional wave. So when when you um, sort of discovered human design and found out about um, that you're emotionally defined, was it surprising for you? Like had you been living out of alignment with your emotions your life or how was that experience? I I had, and I can tell an example of that. But first I would say I was really angry when I found out, I was, <laughs> which I was like, that's probably an appropriate emotional <laughs> authority response. I was really angry. I was like, no, I don't want that. (laughs) I want to be faster. Let's get this going. (laughs) But I lived in New York City for over a decade. And when we had our third son, um, my husband was like, it's time to move. And he is a sacral manigen. And he expected me to make faster decisions around that because living in New York City, I definitely, you know, in the type of work I was doing, I definitely felt the pressure of the city for lots of reasons. But of making fast decisions. And I was really good at making decisions and fast. Like I was acting as a sacral authority, even though I wasn't. And I remember he went down the path of like interviewing for one job in a very cold place in the United States. And like, he's like at the third interview and I am like three months postpartum. So it's probably a lot of things going on, but I'm just like crying. And I'm like, I, I like got to the place. I'm like, I can't move there. He's like, I wish you would have told me like before, like, I was like, I, I just can't move there. Like we had made a list of places I would leave because I loved living in New York city. And I was like, if I'm going to leave, it needs to be one of these places. This was not on the list. I had felt into that list, but yeah, so I could definitely see. And he was just like, what do you mean? He's like, I feel like I'm losing face. Cause like I went down yeah. this path and I'm like, well, that's on you. Cause I'm not living there. You're welcome to go work there. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so, yeah. And it, it really, it is a learning journey for yourself, but also the people around you to have patience yes. with the wave really. And yes, yes, yes. Because you said he was a sacral mansion, was it? Yep. Managing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's the same dynamic with my partner and I, but just the opposite. And I'm just like, sometimes when I, oh, I can, I can sort of, I can see the pattern of our relationship up till now and be like, wow, I was really pushing there and I was pushing there and I was pushing there because I knew it was right, but he needed to get to a place of it feeling right within himself before we could move ahead as a family and do that thing or move to that place or 
move into a yeah. caravan or like whatever we were doing. So when I'm pushing, it builds so much friction in the relationship. So it's even as a sacral generator, we have the ability to know in the now, but then it's also learning patience because whatever situation we're in, it's like, okay, but like we're a unit. So I need to wait. <laughs> I need to wait. Yes. Wait. <laughs> yeah. And that wave is super powerful. And when you know, you know, when you get to that peaceful place after being no, yes, no, then there's the answer in peace is what is like, oh, it can be this. And I think when I started to feel that for the first time, it was like, oh, this is what it's supposed to feel like. I don't even think I knew myself, like what the decision process was supposed to feel like because because I probably still had some fear or some emotions I wasn't processing or allowing myself to feel around mm. every single decision of my life. Now that I'm looking back and it's like, yeah, that was a lot. I was angry. Like, even though I agreed to the place we moved, which was not a really cold frigid place. Um, <laughs> I was angry for about 18 months for leaving New York yeah. city. Like, because yeah. it was like, it almost was like, that was my emotional way for leaving New York city. Cause I loved living in Brooklyn. I loved, you know, ha- having all three of my boys there and mm. working in the city and the job I worked in was like family. And it was just like, I had created this life I've loved. And now we're like, where are we? Yeah. People are way too nosy. It's way too much space. Things aren't open past 10 PM. Like if I forget eggs for the cookies, like, where am I going to go? Like, what is this? <laughs> Like I can't go to the bodega on the corner. It was just a huge culture shock on so many levels. Like um, that. Yeah. I think my emotional wave probably needed to settle after that. Yeah, absolutely. And I find, I find the emotional wave so just interesting to talk about because I'm open emotionally. And the more I learn about the emotional wave like obviously our family having been in our experiment for a bit over a year now we were living quite unhealthily with emotions before we came to human design which was the turning point for us like emotions weren't allowed in my childhood it was very repressed so then I carried that through to my children they weren't allowed to express and so really seeing my eldest son's emotional wave and allowing him to express it and then how I experience his wave the frequency of his wave when he's not repressing it or when he's um, when his body's in alignment, so when his well-being is good, like his wave feels so much better energetically in my body because he's vibrating better. So he's a man-gen, so physical movement is so important, um, doing things um, like creatively, um, doing um, like eating healthily, um, lot, um, oh, what's the other thing that's really good for him? It was just in my head. Oh, that's a variety. Um, yeah, variety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trying different things, like and um, like allowing him to kind of like, oh, I'm interested in that. Like, try that and not put the blockers up. Um, it allows his wave, the frequency of his wave, to move a lot more smoothly. Um, but that's been a learning process in itself. So it's like being around. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, as an open emotional person, being around someone who's emotionally defined, but is allowing their emotions to move through and doing the things that their body needs to not block them or repress them is really a good feeling. Like it can feel really good. Um, But then as opposed to being around someone whose emotional wave is very repressed and they're at the explosion stage or they've, you know, repressed it for many, many years, like that denseness of energy can be really overwhelming. So it's like, I feel like as we're all on our own growth journey and like deconditioning, like both, um, not that, not say camps, but, you know, like 
um, open emotionally and defined emotionally. I feel like we can both just, I don't know, live in more harmony the more that um, the emotional yes. wave is allowed to have its way. Does that make sense? Perfect. It, yes. And it gives so much more space for mm. allowing what the being each individual needs. So I'm emotionally defined and my youngest son is emotionally defined. Mm-hmm. And we even just talk about like, he's seven, he's still little. And we were like, yeah, you just have big emotions. Yeah. And it's not understandable to my two older boys or my partner because it's, they're like, what is this crazy? And even giving them <laughs> language to be like, yeah, he just needs to feel it. And he can process emotions really fast now that we've given him space to do that and are not conditioning him to repress them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, yeah, he's just going to feel the emotions. He is so attractive to so many people because he yeah. is like his high is so high, Yeah, <laughs> but it does feel a little schizophrenic at times having an emotional authority. I'm going to say, I'm like, I feel like I am like three different people. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, I actually was talking to my son about this, who's emotionally defined. So he has both ratchet waves and I was talking to him about like his experience of like when he wants to do something as opposed to when he doesn't want to do something because my interpretation of the wave because I'm open so just kind of looking outwards like my interpretation when someone has a wave and their perception of experiences or reality is colored by however they feel like I imagine like kaleidoscope glasses and like wherever you are in your wave is colored by whichever point in the emotional scale you're at that's how I kind of process it visually in my head and I explained this to him and he's like actually he goes for me being in the emotional wave he's like an example would be like if you ask me to do a job mum, like and I don't want to do it because I'm in that part of my wave where I really just don't care about anyone I just want to be by myself or do my own thing he's like I will see that thing whatever you've asked me like as black and white everything will just be black and white and the thing that I want to do like read my book or play my guitar is just like colored in his reality and I'm like wow so it's like a neon light on the thing that he wants to do but I've asked him to do something else so it's like just black and white and dreary and I was like that's just blows my mind no that's a beautiful way to describe it because when others ask me to do things that I'm not in alignment with like it's as if it's dust or gray it's like I I really just can't even even as a generator like and following your joy it's like I can't even make myself do it. I used to be able to, and I really just can't anymore. Like I try, like I'm trying right now and I just can't. Have you found And, and well? I also take okay. that wider, go ahead. I also am taking that wider view. It's like on my deathbed, would I be happier that I did that task or would I be happier that I did something towards a step that's lighting me up? And it's like, eh, it's the latter. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think what kind of to and fro is in my head because I know like my eldest is um, a man gen. So he's emotionally defined man gen and he has like eight of the nine centers defined. So he's like a very consistent, powerful being, right? Like he's got some energy there. And when he's focused on something, it's like that thing. And there's like blinkers onto everything else. So when I am pulling him out of that to ask him to do something else, it's like, that's the sort of the dance that we're playing with at the moment. It's like, there's responsibilities, you know, like life responsibilities, family responsibilities, helping with siblings or whatever it is, or looking after yourself, different stuff like that. So it's really that like dance and playing with like, okay, like this needs to happen, but you're wanting to do this. Like how can we kind of like, you know, meet in the middle and look, some days it works and some days it's a shit show. (laughs) 
So true. And I see that in my partner because often he expects when he asks something because of his conditioning that it happens right then. It's like when I started giving my kids, it was like, you know, this is going to happen today or this week. Then they have time to warm up to it. And that's really helped even for my kids that weren't emotionally defined. Yes. Um, I have a splenic projector and a, um, yeah, so he's (laughs) very intuitive. He just knows so wise, right? (laughs) Yes. All three of my kids look very different and I'm a visual person. I'm like, the universe did that on purpose so that I would not treat them the same. And then as I learned more about them in human design, I'm like, oh, you guys are three different aliens. Like there's no way. It's amazing that your brothers and that you chose the same family. So yes, actually, I need to ask you about that because you mentioned before that you felt like three different people with your emotional wave. So you have a split definition. So you've got your head and Ajna connected, and then you have solar plexus, will center, sacral root center and spleen connected. And you specifically said that you felt like three different people. And I had this aha the other day because I'm a split definition. So I have three energy centers in my body and I have three kids and my eldest is 13, my middle is five and my youngest is six months and I feel like three different mothers because they're so (laughs) different I could see that yeah yeah Yeah, definitely when you said that it's like you actually have to be really three different mothers to each child in and it can be very I would overwhelming. say it was overwhelming. It oh, hundred percent. And I would say it was it was more challenging before I understood their design and my design because I felt like I was literally just pushing shit uphill and nothing was working. So right. knowing their design is like, oh, okay, like we're butting heads. What needs to happen? We need to all move our body, or we need to separate, or we need to, you know, someone needs to go and do something by themselves. Like what? There's we have more tools in our toolkit to kind of work through that. Does that make sense? Yes. And I will say the more, probably the biggest thing that's helped me on my spiritual awakening journey has been acceptance of exactly where I am now. And that's probably one of the hardest things to do when you don't like where you are. So even liking or accepting the feelings of dislike or judgment or in this now, that's been like huge transformational. And it's so hard because you feel And you've been conditioned to believe that if you accept what is now, then nothing is ever going to change because it feels like you're always going to be here, but it's in the rejecting of where you are now that even if you get to point B, that destination, that the quote unquote destination, because there is no destination that you, you feel like you're going to get to, you will never, ever, if, even if you do quote unquote, get there, you won't feel like you're there because you haven't had the time to accept where you are. And it's like the paradox of acceptance. Um, And I've been investigating that recently and it's hilarious. Even in our own healing, um, a friend of mine had a son and he got injured after doing a tournament on the weekend. And (laughs) we are practicing with this new spiritual practice called SRT. And she has this book and is like, put your hand on this and just accept this healing. And he's Mm -hmm. like, I feel instantly better. And then he's like, but can this be real? And he's like, literally his questioning and not acceptance of what it was now was like regressing the healing. And it's like not regressing it. It was just slowing it down, slowing that momentum. It's because he, and I feel like that's what we are too. Right. And I love human design because it is helping us accept who we are. It is helping us accept who we are right now and accept others and allow them. And, um, you know, so it was like his mind needed more support to be, 
to feel the healing. So salt mm-hmm. baths and icing it. And then it, he was fine, but it was like, it couldn't be that easy in his mind, even yes. at, you know, seven or at nine years old, you know, he needed it to be something more, which yes. is so amazing. And that the universe could supply that too. And yes. also have that learning and awareness for me. It's like, it can be easy and it can be hard and we get to choose. Mm. So, yeah. And I love that about human design too. It's like, it's an experiment. It's not a dogma. It's like, you can try this and it can quote unquote fail, but it's just more information to help feed the next decision. And whether you keep on going down the same path, because you've quote unquote built momentum, like you can always shift that. You can always in that acceptance. So yeah, sorry. I got my high horse. (laughs) No, no, I totally get it. And I had this experience. um, I had this experience yesterday where like the environment that we're in at the moment is not suited to my ideal environment, like at all. So energetically, I'm really starting to struggle and it's too cold for me. And it's just, it's not the right place for the boys. And we're all like bickering and like snapping at each other. And yes, they just sort of came to a head and I yelled, which I have been trying not to do. And in the moment in my head, I'm like, that is not how I wanted to behave in that moment at all. And then I was like, okay. And then I could feel the old stories coming up. Like you, uh, you know, you know better. Why did you do that? Like, you know, human design, you know, you, you know, like, you know, they're reacting because of this and you're reacting because of this and blah, 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 blah. And like the old dialogue. And I was like, well, no, hold on. In my head, I'm like, this is not how I wanted to pay, but I'm not yet ready in an energetic position to apologize. So I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait until, because if I say sorry now, it does not mean anything. I'm just going to wait. And then I'll explain to them why I reacted the way that I did. And then we can have a whole conversation about it when we're all not stuck in a car. <laughs> in, a small right. space. in a small space. Yeah. And isn't that beautiful? That awareness. So in mm-hmm. the acceptance of the now that awareness yeah. becomes, and I have yelled at my kids and completely lost my shit so yeah. many times. Yep. And in some ways it's good for them to see that because they can see that we're still learning that we yeah. make mistakes. Cause even my kids the other day said, mom, you're perfect. I'm like, no, not. I need to start messing up more around you. If that's what you believe <laughs> not. Like, and oh, neither gosh. are you. Wow. And so like, we are, we're like working on this. Yeah. Together. Yeah. And, so, yeah. and it's really interesting. Cause I believe that I believe like the more that we heal and live in alignment with ourselves and then support our children to live in alignment with them. And the more it, it, I don't know, just as you heal yourself, like obviously our lineage heals. So like I've had these conversations with my oldest son and it was really hard at the, at the beginning. Like I was in an abusive relationship with his dad until he was five. And then um, I am with the current partner I have now. I've been with him for like quite a number of years now, but I was going through a really tough time. Like I had my, um, I had my Saturn return two days after our second son was born. So that was like, <laughs> oh my God, that was, and I'm just like, no wonder I was a fucking hot mess. Like that was in the most intense year of my life. And I talk to my son about that now, like the things that I've gone through and he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember some of the things that I've done. And I'm like, you don't remember like the way that I spoke that time or the way we had this argument. He's like, no. And it's like, and I feel like in the healing that we do in our day-to-day lives, it's healing the lineage and the past. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's like he doesn't, like I remember what it was like, but he doesn't remember the intensity, the intensity of it. He's like, no, I don't remember it like that. And I was like, wow. And I do think it comes from healing. It does. It 
on so many levels. And I've had a lot of past life regression experiences Mm. where I've gone back and my inner wisdom has helped me rewrite the story as well. And that has been super powerful because I don't think my mind even thought that was possible. And then we did, we did it. It was like healed so much energy in the past, in the future. Like you're not just healing your today self, you're healing your past self in this lifetime and infinite parallel universes and infinite past lifetimes and your future self. So, I mean, it's such a beautiful opportunity and such powerful work on so many levels. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like what we touched on at the beginning, um, when we're sort of talking about sort of like we both were in the personal development world or sort of like working on ourselves before we found human design. Like I know when I started in that, um, in sort of had my awakening and everything, it was like everything that I read, I was like, oh, well, that's what I have to do. So I really created dogmas around them. So like, and I'm sure you can like um, (laughs) resonate with this one, but, you know, obviously in the personal development and spiritual world, it's very much about um, meditation, emptying your mind, like, don't you know like don't think thoughts like just let them go and it, and I tried for years and felt like such a failure because I couldn't meditate and I would just get more anxious and more anxious and it wasn't until I found human design that I realized that meditation for me is actually movement so sitting still and my energy becoming stagnant then allows my defined head which is constantly going to get louder and louder but when I move every day, especially out in nature, like that is my meditation time. And that helps to, I would say the volume of the voice in my head gets lower and the, the, the frequency of the thoughts that I think are of a higher frequency. But when I'm stagnant and sitting still and trying so hard to meditate and being like, empty my mind, empty my mind, it's like they get louder and louder and more frustrated. So I would love to know your experience because we have the same definition in the 6447 from the head to the Ajna. So I'd love to know your experience with that. Yes. So I probably agree with you that I don't think my thoughts ever stop, but I was able to calm them down like a calm river. So there was still movement. Yeah. So I also have, I don't know what I have and you can probably read it in my chart, but something about like, I'm really good. It's something about the arrows or the numbers in the arrows. Like I need, I can actually sit still for a really long time with my head. I don't know what, I don't know if it's the lower right arrow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So even though movement is very important for me, I don't necessarily need that, all that movement. So Mm. I can actually be very focused in that too. And I think I made friends with the thoughts of my head Mm. and almost like listening to hours a day, like six or seven hours a day to Abraham Hicks and just having it running in the background, just like got my vibe high enough so that it wasn't like pulling me down. And truthfully, I can breathe. And I think I just don't notice. I think I move the awareness from the thoughts to another place in my body, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So I know the thoughts are always there and I I'm comfortable enough with my defined head and learning more about what the defined head is versus undefined was really fascinating to me. I've gotten more comfortable with my defined head to the point where it's like, Oh, this is a thing that needs to be figured out. I'm going to give it to you. You're welcome to work on it. And I'm going to focus on, I'm going to place my awareness on something else. And then I'll check in like a couple of days later. So that's been really fun for me. I don't know. (laughs) And also I've gotten a lot more comfortable with like questions and like not knowing. And I think that is something that's pretty big in my chart too, about like Mm. the comfort of not having it figured out the comfort of change because everything is about change and the universe has 
hilarious. Um, I'm now working in my quote unquote, not a job, which is the day job um, as a change management specialist. And it's like, isn't that hilarious? And just really, really funny of the universe. Cause as a kid, I hate, I hated change. I love so, it. Yeah. That is so cool. And I think, um, yeah, just like your example of kind of like, it's almost like giving your mind like a task, like you work on this and I'll work on this. I'm going to try that. I'm going <laughs> to give that a whirl. Yeah. There's a couple of things. It's like, I'm not quite sure what that is. I'm going to let you work on that, but I'm not going to pay attention to you working on that. Yeah. And in that way, it feels like I'm surrendering to my mind instead of the universe. So yeah. yeah. And in the self-development, de- de- I think the thing that was hardest for me was that everyone who has written all these amazing books and all this stuff, mm-hmm. like weren't parents, didn't have a nine to five, like I was like, you're not living in the real world, like have sold all their, their possessions and travel the world. And I'm like, that is amazing. And that's not where I am, but can I still have this connection to source universe, whatever it is, and still like be a mother or have kids? Like how does this work? And that's kind of been my journey too. There's it's, and it's a paradox, right? Because Mm -hmm. we have all this groundedness and my chart is a, fucking paradox because I have defined head and Ajna giant space. And then all this earth, like all this grounding (laughs) and it's like, Oh, I have a body. Like I ignored my body and, you know, to the point where it started screaming and part of my journey ended up in the ER getting blood transfusions because Mm. I just didn't listen to it. I was like, my, my mind knows better. And now it's this new relationship and human design has given me that clarity to be like, Oh my goodness. Yes. This is just part of why we're here is to figure out this paradox. Yeah. Explore it. Absolutely. And it it gives you, um, human design gives you the clues to kind of know like some things that you might've been feeling or experiencing, like you're not crazy. Like it's like when I first learned about human design um, and that I had a defined head nausea, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense because my partner has an open head and he's like, I feel like he's such a free thinker and such an like open mind. And I'm just like, I've got my supercomputer in my head just going all the time and generally on the same things. And they're usually in my immediate future, whereas he's like, can think about this, then he can think about that and something else will pull him over here. And I'm just like, like I'll ask him for help with something and the way that he comes up to fix it. I'm just like, whoa, like how did that even happen? But like the point I was sort of getting to with that is like, you know, how I was talking before about the frequency, like, if, you, if you're defined mm. emotionally and you're um, allowing your emotional wave to move, the frequency of your wave is like so much um, higher. I think it's the same yes. with the defined head. I learned from Emma Dunwoody, like if like as a defined head and Ajna, like our thoughts are being felt by the people around us who have open heads. So if, our, if the consistency of our thinking is very low vibe, and I've seen this witness firsthand in my partner and, and our other son who's open is open in the head. So have you sort of had an experience with that or a resonance? On so many levels. Yes. And the fact that at, with a defined head, we actually affect the room that we're in. And this yeah. has come up for me a lot in business and I have an undefined throat. And so I often don't feel heard. And I kept on feeling like I would have to say something and I would say something. And I'm like, that's what I just said. <laughs> someone else would like parrot it and no one heard it when I said it. They heard it when the person with probably the defined throat spoke. It was like, oh, 
human design gave me the permission that I don't actually have to speak to be influential in the room. And I noticed that when I take the time to get high vibe before I enter a meeting, especially if I know it's going to be a difficult one, I say nothing, my presence there and my like sending thoughts, someone else will say the thoughts that I'm thinking. And I used to be like, why are they stealing my thoughts? And now I'm like, no, they are channeling what I am sending to them. (laughs) I'm like this mastermind that is like help. And it's true. Like, so my, I don't think anyone else in my family has a defined head. I think my projector has a defined Ajna, but Mm. nobody else has a defined head. Mm. I noticed when I like, my husband's like, they're just all crazy. And I'll walk into the room and like, everybody calms down because my head is just like in that space. And he's like, how do you do it? And I now can say it's the defined head because I just have that calm energy when I walk in and it can take a chaotic room of young boys, seven, nine, 11, if you can imagine, and like, just bring it all down to like, very calm. They're like, Oh, calm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't even think they realize it. They're like, Oh, when you're around mom, it's very calm. So yeah. Wow. And I resonate too with, with environments as well. And you brought that up. Yeah. Um, I I'm caves. And if I don't have control over my space, it's like, and I noticed that actually, it's very important to me to the point where like, I had an unsafe feeling, even though like, Mm -hmm. no, logically, no logic would say that I should feel unsafe if I don't really have a clean, calm space that I have control over. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's like really, really, really important to me. It's, and it's really just those simple things because it can be really easy to kind of pick up on the, um, on some of the things that are said in the personal development world, kind of like, well, you know, like just leave it, just leave it and do, do this other thing. It's like, I can't do the other thing until I've done this thing because my space is really important so that I can be in the right frame of mind, body energy, energy to do this other thing. Yes. I found yes. Um, environment for my, oh, sorry, not environment as well, definitely. But for me, um, being a triple split, uh, actually, it will be triple split combined with my environment. So I'm kitchen's wet. So I like to be around somewhere that's vibrant, like things are happening, innovation and being a triple split. Like if I, like we moved into a caravan a year ago and at, at, at the beginning, we were staying at like off-grid camps where there was like no one around because that's what my partner loves. But he went away to work and I was with the kids pregnant alone. And I was like, The only way I can describe it is like if you go into a fun park that's been closed for like 30 years and it's like that eerie feeling like something used to happen here, but it's not there anymore. That's what I feel like. So it's like this paradox of him needing to be away from people and being in nature and just like not surrounded by anyone. That's where he feels calm. Whereas me, I'm like, I don't need to be in a city per se, but I need to be in a place that's vibrant. There's people moving through it. There's like cafes and people are coming together and like doing stuff. Like without that, I'm just like, it's it's a really hard, it's a hard feeling to explain. I think it's very unique to everyone's own environment, but it's just, it's used to feel off. There's no flow. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when I told Emma that I had lived in New York city, like in Brooklyn, she's like, how? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I'm like, at your chair. How did that work? And I was like, well, anybody who ever came to our house was always like, oh my goodness, it feels so calm here. And I guess yeah. like subconsciously I was creating those calm, quiet spaces, like aesthetically yeah. and also energetically yeah. in my home yeah. that felt like that oasis. So 
you know, even though you hear caves or kitchen, you can create your own cave in the big, one of the biggest cities in the world. You can create your kitchen in the tiniest town ever. It's really about the energy that you create there. So yeah, absolutely. And And space can matter. Oh yeah. Go ahead. And finding what works for you. Like we're in a small country town at the moment. So each day I'll walk along the main street just because there's lots of trucks that drive past. And I feel like, Ooh, my triple slip's getting a jolt here. <laughs> Love it. Exactly. It is exactly. just those little things. Like sometimes it doesn't have to be big switches, but just the little ones actually, I think have the most, um, the most power. Um, so I'm going to sort of finish up with three quick questions. So if you could go back and give yourself advice at the start of a human design journey, what would be the number one tip you'd give yourself? Um, probably don't get overwhelmed and just start experimenting, like learn one thing and experiment and find out what works for you. And the more you discover later on, you'll be like, oh, that's why. (laughs) But like, if you just learn that you're a generator and you're not supposed to initiate, like that's not your role in this world. It's to do the work that brings you joy. Yeah just try and follow your joy. Like see how that feels. Try not following your joy. See how that feels. That was huge for me. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's often in the, when you're quote unquote, not following your authority or going against your design that you learn the most. Cause you're like, Oh, that's what that feels like. Exactly. You need, like, you may not be aware what you're doing right now is building that awareness and giving yourself that grace and space to do that. I think is huge. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you think your specific design is a superpower for you? I'm way more influential than I know. Mm. And I can talk to way more people than a lot of people and be on. I understand what people are thinking and feeling and I can get, I see the big picture and whether I speak it or influence others to speak it. I think that's really powerful. I can also hold so much space. Um, and this is something that keeps on coming up in my practice where I am an intu- intuition coach and help people connect to their own power. Mm. I like people keep on saying, I keep on going way deeper with you than I've ever done in hypnosis. Yeah. Like I've never been that deep before. And it's because I feel like, because I have all that earth, like, mm. and that defined head, it's like, I can get you connected to source, like yeah. influence you to connect to your own source. And I can hold it all while you go wherever you're going to explore. I feel like I'm on the boat of a deep sea dive and and the hose to you, like if it's not, you know, in a tank lets you go further than you ever would, because it's like, yeah, I'm fine with that. Like if you have those really dark things come up, that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Wow. I love that. And I also just love that you give like metaphors. I fucking love metaphors. <laughs> like <laughs> the boat and everything. Like it just, when I'm trying to understand something, when someone explains it to me a metaphor, I'm like, yes, I get that now. <laughs> and the last question I'll ask is what's your number one human design book or resource? What would you recommend to people? Um, I love all of Emma Dunwoody's mm. stuff. I did her. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think she just explains it in such a practical way. And I also yeah. have been loving Richard Rudd's um, Gene Keys. Mm. And that was like a whole new thing for me too. But I I lo- use it as a reference book and like look up one number at a time. Oh, I don't yeah. even really understand how 
the transit works with the earth and human does like, I still don't understand that. And that's okay with me right now. Yeah. But it's like, okay, I understand the energy in my own self. I don't need to understand it in the world yet. That's okay. Totally. <laughs> and how yeah. it's activating things in me or not. But yeah, I think that's been super helpful. I did um, Emma's abundance and purpose course. And mm-hmm. that was, I would say that definitely took me to the next level in okay. understanding myself and human design. That's probably one of the most, um, transformative ones for human design for me. And it's like, like yeah. And my yeah. defined head, like exploded. A hundred percent. I've just finished her next round of purpose and abundance and I'm in her HDX as well. And she is just, I think she's just next level on the human design teaching. Like everything that she does is just about empowering people. And she really takes something that, um, cause like the original human design language can be, um, a bit disempowering at times. I know when I first learned yes. it, there were some things that I felt were quite disempowering and I got really stuck there, the defined head, it kind of went around in circles, but working with her was just like, my mind was just like popping over. <laughs> like every yes. time. Just so like, expansive, oh right? Yeah. 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 She's incredible. She's, and that's the reason why I'm here doing this podcast because she helped give me the confidence to like begin this journey and to really see that this is something that I wanted to do. Um, so very she helped you question. recognize, Sorry? can, can I yeah. clarify? She helped you recognize, recognize the confidence yeah. that you already had within you. Yeah. She didn't so give you true. anything. You already yeah, had it within true. you. Yes, I agree. Yeah. When I, I just said that and I was like, wait, that's not what I wanted to say, but thank you for the reframe. <laughs> Cause I was like, I didn't know how to reframe that. <laughs> yep. So thank you. Absolutely. So last question, where can people connect with you? Um, so they can connect with me. I actually also have a podcast, which is called the possibility experiment. Um, another, um, inner voice facilitator and I run it. She's also a three, five, oh, cool. um, but she's a managing and our charts complete one another, which is kind of fun. And we're, <laughs> That's so cool. it's been really so fun connecting with her weekly. Cause she has this beautiful defined throat and that I can just influence and sit there. Um, oh, but no, we have fun conversations cause she's another mother and it's like, how do you make this spirituality stuff practical? Yeah. And that's really what we talk about, like living our lives. So, mm. yeah. So that's possibility experiment. You can find it on any major podcast awesome. um, platform. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And I think the conversation that you're having in your podcast is so important because it's like you're taking these big ideas and it's like, but how do I live them? How do I live them in my actual day-to-day life? Because that's right in this 3d world that I've already created for myself without like letting go of all of it. Like love Michael Singer's book, the surrender experiment, but that's not practical for everyone. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I love practicality. So I will pop that in the show notes so people can go and find that as well. But thank you so much for our chat today. It was amazing. Thank you. This was so, so fun. And I'm so excited for your, your, this venture. And I know it's going to be so amazing for you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Human Design Experiment Podcast. I hope there was parts of this story that resonated with you. And if you liked the episode, please hit the subscribe button and share the episode with a friend. If you want to dive deeper into your own human design experiment, please follow me on Instagram where you'll find my course offerings. The link is in the show notes below. See you next episode.